0: sometimes I find it really hard to be able to just be like, I'm sorry, I miss my dead husband. And because, you know, you're in a new love and you're still in love with your, you know, deceased husband. And it's really, it's amazing how strong the brain is. That's what I'm learning through all of this.
1: That's, that's something that I just like to add, um, you know, being someone who experienced the same thing, I get it. And I'm not, I don't get jealous about it. I, I encourage her to, um, You know, explore those emotions and talk to me about them because, you know, I understand and she understands, you know, that we both have very, very much have a strong love for these people.
2: Hello, and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives, in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right into today's episode. I am so happy to have today with you guys Dave Devine and Elizabeth Hall. Now, this is gonna be a unique call because I'm interviewing two people at the same time. We have uh, Liz and I actually met at CrossFit a while. Do you remember how long ago that was, Liz? When did we uh, meet at CrossFit? It had to have been at least a year ago. At least, right? So it was like and it was I had just gone back for like a little bit, and then we ended up talking. And you shared a little bit of your story, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And then this is way before I started doing the podcast, and uh, and I've never met Dave but just by passing. And then you guys will find out the kind of the circumstances of how we all are kind of <laughs> connected. But um, but I'm so happy to have you both here. Thank you for joining the podcast.
0: Thanks so much for having us.
2: Our pleasure. Thank you all right. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to start off by let's start with let's see, Dave. You're you are a widower, and yours happened first, correct? That's correct. Okay, so let's go with your story. So, if you want to tell us, just tell us a little bit about you. What do you do, and a little bit about your your life, and then I'll just start asking you a few things.
1: Sure. Um, yes. Uh, my name is Dave, and I'm originally from Southern California and relocated to texas in 2011 um, for my work um, i'm a federal firefighter i work on a military installation in uh, east texas and um my wife Cherry, uh was diagnosed with uh stage four breast cancer uh shortly after our daughter was born mm. and um she battled it for five years, um, and we went through quite a bit together and as a family. And yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it.
2: I know it's hard to sometimes talk about these things. And by the way, for the listeners, the reason I'm having Dave and Liz on is because they're a couple. So this is going to be a unique uh, interview for that reason too, because it's also. Um, how they support each other in this process too, so it's I, i'm just I'm intrigued I'm finding out with the listeners as I'm interviewing so so um Dave wh- how old was your daughter then when um sherry passed away? How old was she?
1: uh when she passed, she was three or four, I think oh, you're four. Wow. yes four and yeah.
2: she, and this was what year did she pass away in
1: 2019 January.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. It's been recent and it feels so re- It feels, yeah, recent now. I don't know. Yeah, Everything seems recent. Is it? It's, it's so, yeah, recent yet far. Recent, right. recent yet distant. Yeah. Now, what when she was going through uh, cancer, yeah, when she was going through her process, did she go through chemo, all that during those four, four to five years that she was battling?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um... Like I said, she was she was uh, initially diagnosed stage four, so there was no uh, warning or anything like that. Um, our daughter Olive was about four months old when when we found out. Um, she was just having pain, kind of diffuse through her whole body, and trying to figure out you know what was causing it. And um, just through a routine, um, her uh, gynecologist checkup, she discovered a lump and once we mentioned, um, you know, back pain and things like that, it was, you know, just numerous scans and all this stuff. And before we knew it, um, you know, it, it was discovered throughout her entire body. Um, so she started out, uh, you know, in a bad place. Um, I was having to, uh, basically care for her and our daughter at the same time. And, you know, uh, it got to the point where I was having to you know, carry her you know, to the bathroom and, and things like that. Um, so uh, yes, initially chemo, it's just kind of the first round of how things start out whenever um, those of the listeners who have experienced cancer are probably understand how this works. And it's yeah, including you know, myself. I have,
2: yeah, my mom died of cancer. So I understand that component of it too. So I can relate.
1: So <laughs> chemos um, numerous chemos. We, um petitioned very hard to get into md anderson um Mm -hmm. pretty much right away and so that's where we started um our journey and i'm stuck with them for the entire time um through numerous surgeries as well because uh as you know the cancer once it's you know stage four Mm -hmm. typically kind of comes and goes so um yeah
2: Wow! Now you moved here from California to Texas. Was Sherry from Texas? Because then, what kind of support did you guys have in terms of family in this area?
1: Yeah, um, no, Sherry was actually from the D.C. area. Oh, wow! Uh, we met in California, and then and then moved here. Um, as far as support, uh, initially it was you know quite difficult. Like I said, it was just myself um, and some of our close friends. Uh, we really leaned. Heavily on them, they they came through, um, uh, and as well as uh, Sherry's family, um, her mom came out and her sister, and uh, a lot of extended family members uh, came out and just kind of helped. Sherry was very adamant about um, keeping our daughter Olive away from the hospital aspect, um, mm-hmm. the treatment aspect. So, and initially, you know. We, when Olive was an infant, she didn't really understand, so I was carrying her around the hospitals and things like that um, while Sherry was at her appointments, but um, uh, once we got some more support, Olive would stay at home with, uh, most of the time, my mother-in-law, Raya.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that's great that she was able to move here, basically, during that mm-hmm. time to help you with that, because that is a lot. I was just... Wondering, because I'm sure that a lot of people are in those circumstances, too, in which they may just be alone in wherever they live with no family around to help them in this process. So and and the fact that you did it as you were raising a newborn uh, as well, that is just a lot mm-hmm. um, now. Uh, After, you know, during her, um, you know, when she passed and what words do you prefer to use, by the way, in terms of passing or death or, you know, after her death, after her passing, after her loss, what are the words that you usually use in your vocabulary regarding that?
1: Um, I don't have a set term that I uh, use or or whatever anyone's comfortable with, I'm, I'm okay with.
2: So there's no trigger words that I may say that may like, you know, so I'm, I'm asking it just because sometimes, you know, if by chance I say something that for the, for the person I'm talking to may be a trigger word, then I just want to make sure to be sensitive. So you're comfortable talking about it. You know, if if I say after her death is it's okay in your, in your vocabulary too. Yes. Okay. So when, um, when she, when she passed then, what were the words you used to describe for Olive what had happened? Like how, how did you, um, yeah, how, I mean, she had only known her mom being sick, right? So how was it, how was that transition for you, um, and for Olive?
1: Uh, fortunately the hospital we were at, uh, towards the end, um, had a child life specialist. so. I got her involved um and like i said uh sherry liked to preferred to keep olive away from the hospital and and treatment aspect so while she knew that we traveled to houston all the time um pretty much every week um you know she didn't really see that side of it um so uh, she also saw i mean sherry sick multiple times i mean that you know, with the stage four, I mean, it, it had spread um, Everywhere. Mm-hmm. her liver at certain times, um, you know, it'd be in certain areas of her body that would cause her a lot of pain. And so she would be, you know, just kind of um, in bed, but um, you know, at her, in her brain, at one point she had to have um, surgery as well. Um, and so Olive was kind of, I mean, she's a very smart kid. She was very aware of what was going on. Um, but at the same time, Sherry was very strong um, she did not an uh, independent, um, so if and very driven to uh, to support those who were in a similar situation as herself, um, and so she would keep herself busy all the time. I mean, I remember one time it was right after her uh, her uh, brain surgery; uh, like within three hours, she was on the phone talking to vendors, um, trying to raise money for her organization um Mm. she was very driven and so
2: wow i just got chills on that i just got chills because that's uh, sometimes too like what kind of drives our focus away from us is serving others too right it's like the best way to also heal so in her case that's where she would put her energy was serving others
1: yes yes most definitely she Mm. was very focused on that um so going back to your original question um yeah i mean uh I spoke with the child life therapist, um, you know, and and just kind of got feedback from her as to how I should approach it um, when I did have the conversation with Olive. Uh, It was uh, very difficult, you know, Um, and she, her initial reaction to me was, um, you know, I just, I was very, you know, um, honest and open about it. And, Mm Like that's the best way to be with children, and anybody in the, in that regard. Um, and I just explained to her, you know, about you know Sherry being sick and and that she fought as hard as she could, and you know, it just, um, you know, she couldn't she couldn't fight any longer, basically, and and that she was she was she was gone, you know, and um, and. Um, you know, you try, you want to say so many things at that time, but it's
2: the age, it's right. It, yeah. Especially also because of her age, you kind of have to just be wise as to what words you use particularly to right, for that particular age, um, that she was in. And then I'm sure that as the, as, uh, as she's gotten older, maybe she's asked a little bit more, um, about it. Has she
1: in some aspects? Yes. Uh, and others, not so much. Um, okay. I think because of her age at the time and just all of who she is she's very kind of black and white um and so yeah her initial reaction to me was she got very angry with me and and ran and hid in her room and so i had to uh you know um you know go in there and talk to her and 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 yeah all those things so um but yeah she'll ask uh you know questions as her brain becomes more developed and she's able to think about it in more abstract ways. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like a revisiting, you know, and that's something that the, the child life specialist had, had expressed to me is that, you know, as her brain develops, you know, you can expect to deal with this throughout her life, um, you know, at, at certain ages and benchmarks and then also uh, big life events. So that's kind of how we, we handle things that we expect that they'll, they'll come and um, try to just maintain consistency with that.
2: That's wonderful. Thank you, Dave. And thank you for revisiting that and for sharing up to that point. So now we're going to swap it. And I'm going to – now I'll unmute. Now I'll unmute Liz so that that the background noise. And if you want, I can mute you, Dave. And that way, by chance, you have to move or anything like that. Then it won't pick up. Um, And then so then we'll – ask Liz some questions. So um, Liz, now if it's your turn now to share a little bit then about yours. So I'm going to go back and forth here and then we'll kind of mesh both stories then together. So um, tell us a little bit about you and Brian and the girls.
0: Sure. So, um, so I'm Liz. I'm originally from the Buffalo, New York area um I due to Brian's job we lived all up and down the east coast from 2005 on. Um Brian and I were actually high school sweethearts or whatever they call it. So we have been together since 11th grade and went to college together and all that fun stuff and so we moved all over the place for Toyota and um right now currently I am just a stay-at-home mom um, because, as much as 2019 sucked, um, as you know, right after Bri died, I got laid off from my company as well, which was a blessing in disguise because it's given me time to heal and really focus in on, you know, my little ladies in my life. Um, but, anyways, we moved to Texas uh, in 2017, I think, um, to make it our forever home we were sick of the traveling with Toyota. And so by coming to Plano and working at headquarters, there would be less travel. And we found an awesome neighborhood and, you know, built our dream house with a pool and, you know, spa-like backyard. um, And everything was great. And then um, in March of 2019, uh, Brian went to CrossFit uh, for the Open. He was a hardcore CrossFitter there every day, usually at the 5 a.m. class, um, which I thought he was crazy because he would get up at, you know, 4.30 and I just couldn't function at that time. Um, So he went off to, he went to work that day. He went to CrossFit after work for the open and called me and told me he was going to be late because there was traffic, um, some sort of an accident. And I said, that's fine. Um, He came home. He took a shower a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and then said he wasn't feeling well. And two hours later, was pronounced dead of a um, widowmaker heart attack. And my entire life changed in a matter of two hours.
2: That is just. I, I remember when I was with you, sitting there at CrossFit after. I, I think we had just worked out, and I was mm-hmm. ta- chatting with you. And there was a pic. I think there was a picture of him, or, or on at the at the gym, like him. and then Yeah, the, Mike hung up a conference. picture of his crew. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I'm, I don't, I remember the conversation. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, what is that? And, the, and then you said, it's like, no, that's my husband. And I think when I met you, it had just been a few months. It had been maybe four to two, not two to four months, maybe when I met you that it had, it had been very recent. Yeah,
0: um, it, it was definitely fresh. And I remember yeah. when I met you, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's my husband. And then you were like, oh, I'm a grief counselor. And I was like, holy cow, somebody just dropped you out of the sky for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of like a weird kind of, yeah. And so um, so tell us then the ages of your daughters and their names as well. Sure.
0: So I have Eva, who is currently 10. She was seven when Bri passed away. And then I have Emily, who's currently four. Um, and she was two when everything happened.
2: So now this is a very different dynamic than, with, with, than what happened with Dave and Sherry because of, you know, being uh, sudden. Then you didn't have that time to kind of prepare them for something coming. Uh, you had to just, you know, share with them the news, you know, right away, just as you were finding it out yourself. So there was no a- anticipatory grief or anything like that that happens. It's just right away. So how... How was that? Because uh, he was young, right? He was under 40. Oh, yeah. Correct? He was 36. 36. Um, 36. You have two girls. How do you then communicate this to your daughters? And again, you have the same situation. You're also, your family is not here in Texas either. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was definitely not easy. Um, thankfully, when everything went down, my older daughter was at a friend's house, so she was unaware of anything going on, and the little one was sleeping. Um, so we, my uh, neighbor actually came over. My, my one neighbor went with me to the hospital. Her husband stayed to watch the kids, and when Eva came home, he just told her that daddy got hurt at the gym, and mom's at the hospital with him, and she finally went to sleep. Um She's a worry wart, so I'm sure she was a little nervous, but, you know, never had anything. My mom did pass away in 2015 of cancer, so she experienced that, but that was still different, and she was still really young at the time, Um, so she, you know, went to sleep with nothing to worry about, Um, and then uh, when I got home, at that point, it was probably, like, four in the morning, I would say. Uh, my, My two neighbors were with me. And she was sleeping on the couch and I had to make the decision if I wanted to let her sleep and tell her in the morning or tell her right away. And I made the decision to tell her right away. Um, And I can't even tell you how I told her because I don't know how I had the strength to do it, but something just took over. And, you know, I sat with her and my neighbors, they were like, we'll go home. And I was like, absolutely not. You need to stay. And so they sat there and and listened. And I pretty much, I think I said something along the lines of, you know, daddy's heart got hurt and it just couldn't um, start beating again. And the doctors tried everything they can do, but daddy went to go uh, live with Nani up in heaven. And so that's where, you know, that's where he is now and he won't be coming home. And I think initially she, I mean, obviously there was shock, she kept just like asking like, wait, what? Wait, tell me again. Um, But she is like a little, she's a little rock. Like Bri was definitely a rock and she took after him. So she was quiet. Um, I think she, she, I mean, she definitely cried, but there wasn't, you know, like how Dave had said, Olive ran off screaming and mad. There was none of that. It was just very much like somber and quiet. And she just lay there and hugged me. Um, And then with Emily in the morning, Totally. I mean, she was clueless. She had no idea. So really with her, she was just comic relief and, um, you know, just hugging on them all day long. Um, after that
2: happened, did you take them to the funeral?
0: So they did. Um, they, so we ended up having, we had the wake, um, one night. I did not let them go to that because it was open casket and I just, I didn't want them to be there, um, but then the next morning we did a closed casket, just quick little ceremony, and they did go to that, and they were um, once again most likely comic relief to you know many people that were there and that were sad, um, and they they understood well Emmy or Emily didn't, but Eva understood what was going on, um, and then we actually cremated Bri, but didn't bury him until. July, so then we had to go back home again to Buffalo and have that whole ceremony over again where we actually buried him, and both girls were there for that. Mm
2: -hmm. Was that hard, like, having then several ceremonies, like, redoing it again? Like, so March he passed away, then July, then doing the ceremony again. Was that hard, or was that actually uh, part of your grief journey? Did it allow you to kind of then think, allow things to sink in.
0: Yeah, you know, it definitely was not easy. Um, I remember dreading it, having to go back and revisit everything again. And I mean, his parents wanted to make a bigger deal out of it, which I totally understand it's their son where I wanted to just be done with it. Um, you know, we left the, the funeral in March and I actually, instead of flying back to Texas, I flew with the girls to Florida I took them to Disney World, you know, Bri, one of Bry's mottos was go big or go home. So I was like, what the heck, we're going to Disney World. And so we went to Disney World. My dad had a condo on the ocean. So we went and um, stayed in the condo and we just had a fantastic time. And, you know, through efforts of amazing friends, I had a friend from high school give me his timeshare. He donated it. I hadn't talked to him in 20 years and he was like, nope, you're just staying at my timeshare. And then I had another friend from work who called Disney worlds and uh, was able to get my girls fast passes for the entire day. Um, so it was just, it was much needed to, you know, gallivant off to Florida. Um, but then going back in July, like I said, it was definitely hard. Um, I think the hardest part was that I was home for maybe, I think it was a week and we were saving the actual Burial till the second to last day I was home. So there was a lot of anticipation throughout the week that I was home. Um, But it was, you know, it was necessary for his parents. Um, I've described to Dave when we talk about it that, like, the funeral was not for me, it was for everybody else. Like, I said goodbye to Bri at the hospital. That was. The end of it for me and you know he's in my heart now and I know the funeral was what other people needed and along with the um you know the the burial in July and and whatnot so um
2: yeah you you raise a very good point which is the aspect of honoring how different people within the family unit need to deal with their grief journey Mm -hmm. and um that's important because it's respecting what everybody kind of needs for their own, their own process. And for you and the girls, like you knew how Bri Brian would have probably done it, which was going to Disneyland. You were just like, let's just, let's do this. Let's have, you know, like a, like a last hurrah type of thing, right. Mm -hmm. As As a little family. And that was your way of honoring his memory and for the others, it had to be also just the, the, um, the rituals, you know, of the funeral and so forth. So um, that is, that is wonderful that you were able to honor the ways in which the other family members needed that too. So um, thank you for, for sharing that. Now I'm going to uh, bring Dave back in so that you guys can then now share then how, did you two meet then? And so it all, both happened in the same year. And how did you guys meet?
0: Sure. Do you want me to start, Dave?
2: Yeah, you're probably better at it than me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> who, um, wait, who?
2: who wait, Let me just ask this who will share the juiciest details?
0: <laughs> I'll be like, oh,
1: uh, more yeah. honest, but, but they will probably share more. <laughs>
0: Uh, So we live in an amazing neighborhood in um, Prosper, Texas, and uh, I was actually unaware, well, not fully unaware, but a little unaware of Dave's story, um, even though we're in this really tight knit community, Um, but my neighbors were all aware of his story. And we had a community spring Easter egg hunt gathering thing at the commons, um, and my one neighbor was like, you need to meet him, not romantically or anything like that, but you just need to meet him. You guys have so much in common and you could be such a good support for each other. And I was like, uh, maybe like I'm very shy. Well, at least I used to be. Um, and that terrified me the thought of like having somebody introduce me to somebody. And I was like, okay, we'll see whatever. And so we went to this, Easter egg hunt thing. And I was there with a group of my, um, friends from Toyota and he happened to walk by and I was like, Hey, that's him. And then I have no idea what, like I said, I'm shy. I have no idea what pushed me to do this, but we ended up in a group all talking. Uh, and then there was this bout of awkward silence where somebody was waiting for somebody to say something next. And, um, I just walked over to Dave and looked right at him. And I said something along the lines of like, hi, I'm Liz. I know you just lost your husband, your wife. I just lost my husband. And I just want to let you know that I'm here for you. If you need anything, I know you have a daughter. I was probably rambling, um, you know, cause I, I was definitely nervous and, you know, he just looked at me and, um, we, you know, we exchanged numbers and the point of that was because he kept telling me how he had worked with the child life specialist at the hospital and he had all sorts of resources in terms of, um, therapists and things for the girls. And so we exchanged numbers there. And, um, I don't know, is there anything else you want to add to that, Dave? Or your... Yeah. I just remember
1: I, I, I was, um, when she told me, I, I, you know, I don't normally hug strangers but. Uh, I put my arm around her and, and gave her a quick squeeze and hmm. um I was compelled to uh um uh, to support her and especially her little ones um uh I, I guess uh because of my role in Olive's life I was very much mom and dad for majority of the time um you know she was you know growing up so um while I may be (laughs) limited in my vocabulary and the things I say, I'm very emotional when it comes to uh, understanding Um, and I'm very uh, in tune with that. And so, you know, I just, I felt terribly for her and her daughters. Um, And yeah, I was very focused on, um, you know, trying to help them, Uh, you know, I'm a firefighter. So by nature, I, I tend to want to help people as well. Um so
2: you are very empathetic like the empathy level uh was there and like that being drawn to taking care of others like you said um I could I, you could feel it and especially when you've gone through something yourself then it has even more of that empathy cuz you've right. lived it you've lived it right
1: and i felt like i had something i could i could help her mm-hmm. with you know being that like you said you know hers was sudden and mine was prolonged I've, you know, had the convenience, if you want to call it, but, um, of years of therapy and, and, you know, dealing with these things and understanding a little bit more of what she might be experiencing and going through. Um, and so I thought I could offer, you know, some help there, not only for her, but for the little ones.
0: And the funny part is as I was unaware to any of that. So in my mind... I'm saying to myself, oh, geez, if I died and I left Bri with two little girls, he wouldn't have a clue on what to be doing. So I'm looking at Dave going like, oh, I can help you. I have girls. I'm, you're going to need help. And ironically, he is way better than me at all this stuff. So
2: <laughs> so it's the other way around than what you thought. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now then, so how did that support, you know, then happen? Like, how did you guys then from that first meeting? um did you just start texting, kind of giving each other resources? How did that dynamic go?
1: Yeah, I mean, mostly it was me um, providing resources for her because I had um, a lot of information from the child life specialist and also um, some insight on local therapists because, you know, I had all of, um, you know, I had tested out a few, so to speak, in, in the area for Olive. Um, So it was more of that thing. And then also um, we, I was really wanted to get the girls together. And I think Liz agreed, uh, would agree to that, um, that we wanted to get them together um, just to, especially I I think, you know, for Eva and Emmy, um, they had each other, you know, and so they had somebody who understood it kind of in their own way. Um, Whereas all of, all of her, none of her friends, you know, like, had experienced anything like that and so i wanted her to see and also emmy and and eva to see that you know there there are other kids like them i didn't want them to feel um you know unique in that way um in that you know terrible experience It's so
2: interesting. Yeah, what you're bringing up is so interesting because, I mean, that's the whole reason of then organizations, like what we're going to talk about also, too, of how you and I kind of crossed was because I uh, just barely was from, because then you also started using the services of the the organization that I am a grief facilitator at, but FYI, this was not like not, not intention. We had, I had already known Liz prior to me volunteering here. So, uh, what I was going to say is that with the adults, like a lot of times we think like it's a lonely club, right? It's like this lonely club. You're the only one that's experienced it. But the, the fact that then children too, they're also going through this, it's a very isolating space. Like you said, like in school, like when they do things like, uh, things for Mother's Day, or in, in uh, Liz's girl's case, like things for Father's Day, and they do art for this and that, and and that's really hard to go through those things alone and with kids in your own classroom not understanding what you're going through. So that was great that you created then that bond or wanted to create that bond between the girls so that they could support each other, aside from then the two of you also supporting each other.
1: Right. Yeah, I think as parents, and especially when you quickly become a single parent, um, you know, it's hard to to navigate your own grief, when because your 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 primary focus becomes them, you know, and making sure they're okay. And it's it's kind of odd because uh, throughout my experiences, I've learned that the kids are very matter of fact, you know, and very much more accepting of whatever occurs compared to us so and a lot of that has to do with their brain development obviously but um yeah they were they would say things so matter of factly you know like the, it's just like you said you know going to events like I took all of to a valentine's day um celebration at her pre-k at the time and it was definitely a big trigger for me but she mm-hmm. You know, she would, you know, just go to her friends and just randomly tell them, you know, my mom just died and have no emotion about it. It was just, that's what happened. And her friends would be like, oh, okay, you know, and, and they wouldn't know how to process it. And, you know, obviously for me, it was much harder to hear, but understanding that for her, it was more of just, that's just how kids are. And so.
2: No, thank you. Um, okay, so then now, how did you guys then navigate then the starting to get to know each other and then realizing you guys had then feelings for each other? At What point did that kind of start? And how did you... Uh, let me just put it that I ask very... I, too many leveled questions. So let me start there. <laughs> At what point did you guys start realizing you were having feelings for each other in your process?
0: Um, I think a lot of it... So like Dave said, we would text back and forth. Um, So there was definitely a lot of texting back and forth and just realizing that not so much that we had so much in common, but we, it was just so easy to talk to each other and be a support for each other and add, you know, a bit of a smile to our faces during such a, you know, a trying time in our lives. Um, We went to a couple of, you know, lunch, quote unquote, dates, you know, just uh, especially, you know, when the kids were at school and, uh, you know, with Dave's schedule, he's home some days, gone some days. So um, just really, you know, meeting each other that way um, started to, you know, get to the point where it's like I, I found myself at least, um, you know, wait, excited for the next text message to come in and excited to be able to, you know, go out to lunch and things like that.
2: It was just very organic, how it happened. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Scary organic. Like it just was so easy
1: talking about it and you know i think when you experience something like that in your life you you pretty much become more of a you know you don't beat around the bush you're just very open and honest about things i was already someone who was that way so it just made me even more so and we were you know talking about it and and had circumstances been different we still would have probably you know had a relationship together if it wasn't for the the events that brought us together so we we just we uh, compliment one another very well, I believe, you know, and that's, um, so it just, but just happened to be that we experienced these things and that's how we met.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That you met because, because somebody told you, you should meet that other person because they've gone through something similar, but in reality, there are other levels of commonality that you guys have and your personality that's not the only that's just the thing that made you guys meet each other (laughs) all the rest of the things are the things that yeah um to have that support now how then did you navigate that dynamic of still being able and how do you still do that because grief as most of us know or experience it's kind of in waves and we it kind of goes in and it's not necessarily that it ends. So how do you navigate the dynamics of having a relationship and still honoring uh Brian and and Sherry in in this process and of course with the girls?
0: Definitely. I mean, it's definitely a process at least in my mind that is sometimes so easy and so organic and then also so incredibly difficult. Um you know, I I always say all the time to Dave, I'm like, I sometimes wonder how my brain just doesn't explode. Because in one second, you could be like, I am so happy. This, you know, new little family is just, you know, perfect. and, And everything is going well. But then in the next second, I'm missing Brian. And, you know, sometimes it's like really difficult for your brain, or at least my brain, to be able to look at Dave and be like, you know, he'll be like, what's wrong? And I'll be like nothing. And he's not dumb. He knows something's wrong. And sometimes I find it really hard to be able to just be like, I'm sorry, I miss my dead husband. And Mm -hmm. because, you know, you're in a new love and you're still in love with your, you know, deceased husband. And it's really, it's amazing how strong the brain is. That's what I'm learning through all of this.
1: That's, Mm -hmm. that's something that I'd just like to add, Um, you know, being someone who experienced the same thing, I get it. And I'm not I don't get jealous about it. I, I encourage her to, um, you know, explore those emotions and talk to me about them because, you know, I understand and she understands, you know, that we both have very, very much have a strong love for these people still, and always will, we'll always have a, a place for them and, and, um, they'll always be part of us and, uh, understanding that, you know, helps us kind of, um, be there for each other even more so because I, I feel like, uh, like Liz has a a friend who experienced uh, a loss of his wife and um, you know, I don't mean to out him or anything like that. I don't know if it's going to be an issue, but um, he met somebody who came from a divorce and I know they have a harder time uh, Mm -hmm. navigating that, those, those emotions that are still there.
2: That is, that is such a a interesting point that you bring up because it's true because the other person is still somewhat in the picture, right? <laughs> in that case, oh, yeah. it's, it's a little different here. But, um, but I love, I love that you guys are able to still honor and talk about your uh, spouses, each, you know, uh, in that way. And that also must bring a lot of comfort too to the girls. So, how then do you talk about the girls with the girls? Sorry about this relationship, again, because of their ages, they probably still don't even see it as, do they see it as weird that daddy and mommy are now with something, you know what I mean? Like, How is it? How is it for the girls?
0: (laughs) I mean, I would say, I know we keep using the word organic, but I mean, I would say it was a pretty seamless process. Um, you know, like initially, um, I ended up offering to help Dave out with Olive uh, because his in-laws had to travel or something like that. And so I prepared a, a room in my house for her and I made it, you know, loving and warm. So she would feel comfortable here and she's just happy go lucky. So she's like, cool, this works for me. And, uh, you know, my girls, I think Eva, my older one, she's very, uh, She's very protective of me. Uh, you know, she's taken over that rock role that I used to say that Brian was my rock. And she, you know, she puts her guards up at times, but she she knows I'm happy. And she knows that Dave loves her and that, you know, this is a good situation for her. And really, I mean, I could think of a million different ways how this could have went. And it went just beautifully. I, I mean, everything about this transition into this, you know, I always call it life 2.0, uh, has just been beautiful. Yeah.
1: We had initially, we had spoke about, you know, before we went ahead and and started to cohabitate, uh, about how we wouldn't force things and just kind of take them as I go. And if, um, at any point it became too much, whether it be for, you know, Liz or myself or the girls in any way, we would, you know, pump the brakes. And it just, I mean, um, you know kids are very resilient uh humans are very resilient for that matter but uh, yeah. uh they just kind of accepted it and um they treated it like oh now i have a new sister and kind of and you know all of looked at it like now i have two new friends or sisters you know and um mm-hmm. and that's kind of how it went i mean we don't i don't think that it's something that it doesn't seem to come up too often um I know that the girls, when they do bring it up, it tends to be during emotional times. Um, say they're they're not having a good day, or they're having a, a moment where they're crying, and then all of a sudden it'll come up. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, um, it's not a, a topic that that comes up very often. If anything, it's it's the girls <laughs> encourage. I know they encourage me all the time. Uh, they they you know they're they, they keep wondering when we're going to get married. Uh no. <laughs> so they're, they're very the, much the, they're the the pushers. pushers.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're the pushers. Yeah. It's so funny that you said about the when they're having a bad day that maybe that's when it comes up. But that's also like in any dynamic when kids are having a bad day, that's when they say you don't love me. I'm adopted. Mm-hmm you found me on the street, like all these kind of things, you know, those kind of, that's the moment in which kids usually say all that kind of stuff. So I'm imagining in this circumstance, it's not much different. They just kind of use maybe this dynamic as a scapegoat in those moments that, that they, that they're feeling frustrated. I, I, or something. I,
1: I think there's some truth there, but I also feel like, uh, it's also, I think, you know, I think children have a little bit harder time of accessing those feelings. And mm-hmm. when they feel those, in that moment, that's kind of when that, that feeling then presents itself to them and then they kind of let it out. And, you know, Oh, I like what you're
2: saying. Yeah. So there it's basically like their grief is showing up sometimes in those moments of frustration or things like that. Is that what you're kind of saying? Like maybe they're frustrated, but it's, they just don't know how to name it. Right. Right. Yeah. Name the emotion. Okay. That is, that is so true. Um, Okay. So, Let's now talk about what tips would you give somebody then that may be in circumstances similar to what you guys were before meeting each other and navigating, I again, you guys may not have the answer because this happened organically, but navigating life in getting to know people, like what what would you what would you say to somebody that's in a you know widow or widower?
0: I think the the one thing, like, you know, pre-meeting Dave, for me, um, the biggest thing that helped me was the support system. Like you had said, you know, I didn't have family in the area. Uh, my dad did come to town, and he actually stayed here for five months, which I was shocked by because he likes to visit, but five months is, you know, out of his comfort zone. Um, and then my neighbors, like, when everything first happened, uh, I... I didn't do a thing. I literally sat in my house, and I had people. My door was always open. I had neighbors cleaning out my fridge, vacuuming my floors, packing my suitcase to go home, feeding me breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, it was it was an outstanding, you know, outpour of of love uh, to the point where when everything first happened, I was like, I am moving to Buffalo. Like, there's no way that I'm staying here. I have no reason to be here. And now I can't imagine leaving because my neighbors that surround my house are my family. Um, So So definitely, and, and I'm not one to ask for help. So definitely just accepting help is huge, you know, when everything first happens. And then, you know, in terms of putting yourself out there again and meeting new people and, and whatnot. I joke all the time that I wish every widow could have a Dave um, because it has just made this process that much easier. Um, but like we said, it's it's so organic in the way that it happened. Um, but, you know, really surrounding yourself with people that are in a similar situation. I know I've, um, I know, like like you said, we we joined Journey of Hope, and I also have a, a couple of other widow friends that I can reach out to, and they're on all different capacities. So, like, I have one friend that um, he actually lost his wife the day before Brian died, and he's local and also a sudden death. So, you know, in the beginning, I was reaching out to him all the time because he absolutely one hundred percent understood. Every feeling I was fle- feeling, and um, almost you know, real time. So, um, really, just finding people that work for you in in terms of your healing and your your grief is what has helped me along the way.
2: So I like so two things that came up from what you just said. One is accepting help. That is. Mm-hmm. That is huge. So if you're not a type of person, which I'm similar to you, I'm not the type of person that would ask for help. So, the, but accepting help during that time, that was key. And the aspect of making sure to surround then yourself with people that support you. And that in this case, because you didn't have your family nearby, all your friends uh, became that, so that, at least that immediate support um, here. Mm-hmm. Now, um, that's, that's awesome. Thank you. Now, Dave, what about for you? What were like some of those key tools kind of that you were that just similar to what Liz just shared? What would you say would be some tips from you?
1: Yeah. So I would definitely um, reiterate what you said about uh, letting people do things for you. Uh, I also do not like help. <laughs> um, however, um, I discovered that that's pretty much the only thing that helps others uh, mm-hmm. feel like they're doing something for you. And um, then you get a lot less of the questions of like the, the awkward questions from them. If you just let them do some, some stuff, you know, that's nothing serious, just whatever it may be um, little things and um, people jump at, at the opportunity to do that for you. And it, and it definitely helps them uh, feel like they're doing something for you. Um, for me, uh, I mean, I've had a lot of experience uh, with trauma and life in my in my past before this. So, I, you know, very very much believe in therapy and being open and honest about things. Um, along with that, I think moving forward with you know trying to, um, I mean, I, I don't want to say find somebody else, but if you happen to. Um, moving forward with your life um i would recommend that you know people it's very it's easier said than done but not to judge yourself um too harshly because um there's a lot of people out there with opinions and um you know valid as they may be for them um you know the the important thing is to know and understand is that you yourself and your family are going through this thing only you understand what works for you and your family and um, kind of finding that is really one of the more important things in my opinion Um, and and not not try not to concern yourself too much with how others may view things or or what how they might feel about things because again they're not going through it they you know they they're experiencing it in their own way whereas you know you're living it and, and, you know, that's all the difference to me.
0: Yeah. That yeah. was, the, that was definitely a big thing for me in the beginning too, of just, cause I mean, Dave and I met relatively soon after everything had happened in our lives. And I was very aware of what if people were judging me, um, in terms of, you know, wow, she moved on too fast, or wow, she must be in such shock that she's just going after the first guy that says hello to her. And, um, you know, it definitely ripped me apart for a long time. And I got to the point where I finally just realized that, you know, if somebody truly loves me, and cares about me and cares about my happiness, then they just need to trust me that I am doing the best thing for me and my family. And, just you know, trust the process, which is another thing that Brian used to say all the time. So, trust and you'll the process.
1: make you know, we make mistakes along the way. You know that that's going to happen. It's part of life. It's part of learning. Um, but I think if you go into it with the idea that um, you know, without forcing things and and taking things as they come, it's it's much easier to to move forward than it is if you if you hyperfocus on one thing or another.
2: What you guys have said is just like so wise. <laughs> it's so wise and thank you so much for sharing that because it's so true like we sometimes stop ourselves and not just in the aspect of grief, right, but just in many areas of our life, we worry so much of the what people are going to think about the choices mm-hmm. we make and we you know, we close a lot of doors because of that. Uh you know, of what of basically making other people's opinions about our life and our choices way more than our own yeah you know instinct and what you guys shared is so uh, amazingly valuable for many many reasons so thank you and and love is so wide it's like i always think of this i remember when we um when we were expecting our second child and i was like oh my gosh like how could i love somebody as much as i already love my son, you know, and it's like, no, you, it doesn't take away from me, you know, love is not like, oh, now you're adding something else. Like you suddenly can't love, you know, your first child that much. You still Mm -hmm. love it. It's the same in this dynamic. It doesn't take away from the love that both of you have for your spouses, you know, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's just adding to it. It's even making it more rich.
0: Yeah. That's another thing that I always say is that, I'm not moving on. Um, you know I've been very clear on that from the beginning that there's no way I'm moving on. I'm just moving forward. I'm moving forward with my life and Brian will always be carried with me into life 2.0 um, through the girls and through the memories that we had. And I'm excited to bring him with me and I'm excited to, you know, move forward and enjoy my life because that is 100% what he would want me to do. Um, and you know, a crazy thing that he used to say, I I don't know why. I used to get so mad at him. He used to say, if anything ever happens to me, you're going to find somebody in two months and you're going to be happier than ever. And then I would usually smack him and be like, stop talking like that. You have two girls, like nothing's going to happen to you. You're healthy. And then I mean, crazy and as made up as this sounds, I basically met Dave two months to the day that Bri died. And Mm -hmm. so to me, I was like, oh boy, (laughs) you know, this, this says something.
2: Yeah. Actually, can we talk about that aspect of, because you, uh, I know like with you, Liz, of our inner inner exchanges on Facebook Messenger of our conversations kind of through there, knowing that certain things are just absolutely divine, divinely. And we use that word a, a few times and then we would make fun because Dave's last name is divine, right? So we're like, some of these things are divinely kind of orchestrated. Can we please Talk, go there and talk about your guys' feelings in terms of the spiritual component of all these dynamics that have occurred in your life.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I'll be upfront and honest that, you know, I grew up Catholic and used to go to church all the time. And once Brian died, I lost all faith in any sort of faith. Um, and I'm still not back there yet. However, when things like this happen, like Brian has said multiple times within mm-hmm. two months, you're going to find somebody. And then all of a sudden, you know, two months later, here's this person that literally I, I joke that I feel like my mom and Brian got together and were like, Oh crap. That wasn't supposed to happen. Now we have to find somebody really good for Liz and, you know, drop Dave into my life. And so it's hard for me not to, you know, not to say I don't believe in anything, but there's definitely something to be said about the way that this is all uh, worked out.
2: And what about you, Dave? What about for you in terms of your, your beliefs uh, in your life, your spiritual beliefs or background? And not, not, and spirituality doesn't necessarily have to be with religion necessarily. But if, if do you see any, uh, any input that maybe Sherry has even had in this whole dynamic of your life?
1: Um, that's kind of a a, a different situation for me. Uh, Sherry was very much, um, like you know, throughout the process, we had a lot of friends who were going through cancer treatment as well and she lost a lot of friends in the process and i remember on one particular occasion there was a a couple who um the wife it was you know the cancer and um she was actively searching for a uh a fill-in essentially for her when she died because she knew she oh, was going wow. to and um you know she found somebody and her best friend and they ended up you know, her best friend and, and her husband ended up getting married, I think within a year after, um, Ashley, uh, had passed. And so, um, Sherry had very strong feelings about that. And I, I think for her, it was different because she, she didn't, I, I think she didn't want to feel forgotten. Um, hmm. and
2: That's so okay.
1: for her, it was like that. Um, but, uh, I always think back, you know, to those those times and 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 how much she loved me and and all of and how she would want us to be happy because I think any spouse wants that for their, their the person they love, and mm-hmm. closing yourself off to the idea of, of loving again um, is not, you know, in my opinion, how how you live a happy life. Um, I I kind of wanted to bring that up when we were talking about you know other people's feelings. And moving forward and and that's another aspect i think is is allowing yourself to go down that scary road again of uh of allowing yourself to to feel you know love for someone else again because it can be very scary uh throughout the process to uh, open yourself up to that potential hurt again um but having said that um i kind of just i i you know i was i was raised christian uh however you know. Uh, through my life experiences, I have kind of gone away from organized religion in that sense. But I, I kind of believe more. As if, if I have a spirituality, it's more of a natural one, and and um, you know, just kind of take things as they come, and uh, that that kind of that kind of thing. So it, what no, happened with Liz and I was just um, you know, I, again, I it, while I was scared, I didn't want to shut myself off to it because I felt like for whatever reason. Um, this was being presented to me and I had to explore it, you know, so.
2: I I love it. Thank you for both of you for being so transparent about your backgrounds. And again, just, it goes back again to everybody interpreting things differently because I come from that, like I'm the type of person that everything's like a sign, that's me. So I'm looking at your relationship and being like, oh my gosh, like that's so divinely orchestrated. Like that was my perspective and I didn't mean to project my perspective here on you guys is but I'm so grateful that you each expressed your perspectives in terms of how things navigated and Dave when you when you pointed out how Sherry used to be like not not necessarily uh wanting to be replaced like you said mm-hmm. I feel that a lot of times too when we're still living that component of the the ego part of us right is still there that yeah. I I feel in my my, in my perspective that when we die, like the ego is no longer there. So that aspect of attachment to something no longer exists. So whatever we would have thought as individuals here, like, no, you're going to love me forever. You're never going to move, you know, those kind of things like, you know, move on. You're never going to have somebody else. Those, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that those are the words she said at all. I'm just kind of saying that then that doesn't really matter anymore right uh once once there's no ego
1: yeah understanding i think for me was that you know she was scared um mm-hmm. and so you know and and i understand completely uh where she was at um at that time when that happened um but i too also knew how deep her love was for me you know and 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 brian's for liz and and all that like we would we would only want the best for our loved ones once you know once we can no longer be here for them physically like how you know how, how do you could serve that any differently right, right. you know right. and so mm-hmm. and uh, yeah so and that and that's you know understanding that we're not forgotten we're we're always there that i mean every time i look at the girls i see mm-hmm. you know i see brian and hers and i see Cherry in mine and mm-hmm. um every day you know it's a reminder so um, and and there's some beauty in that, you know. It, it hurts sometimes, but also other times it's it's comforting to know that they'll they're they're here with us still, you know, in in one aspect. So,
2: oh, so beautiful. Thank you. Is there anything else either of you wanted to share that maybe I didn't ask um, that you'd still want to share with the audience? She's quiet all of a
0: sudden. I'm thinking. (laughs) um, (laughs) No, I mean, I think you definitely touched upon a lot of things. Um, I think like when I was, you know, because I'm totally type A, and I was trying to prep for this conversation, even though I didn't have an agenda and I wanted an agenda and all this stuff. I'm
2: like, no, I don't create any questions. (laughs) I'm like, I need a
0: syllabus. (laughs) Um, But anyways, I, you know, when I was looking through different grief stuff, I mean, I now have, I'm the proud owner of an entire bookshelf of self-help grief books, because I'm always the type that if there's an issue, I grab a book and I'm like, oh, the book will fix it. Um, So I've read tons and tons of books and, you know, that's definitely helpful for me. Um, But one thing that really stood out to me as I was prepping for this was that there was this quote I found that said that grief is like glitter. And you know how much parents hate glitter because it gets everywhere, but you know, grief is like glitter. So you can throw a handful of it into the air, but when you try to clean it all up, you're never going to get it all. Um, so even long after the event, uh, you're still going to find glitter tucked into corners and it'll always be there somewhere. And when I read that, I thought about that and I was like, you know what? I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with the grief. I don't want the grief to go away. It is a pain in the butt and it, you know, I'm they described as, you know, waves and you you ride the wave and all of that. And I have my ups and downs on a daily basis, usually multiple times a day. Um, But what I've learned from my reading and researching and all of that is, and processing is just really that grief is just, it's love. And it's a piece of love. And, you know, where there's a deep grief, there's always going to be love. And I don't want that glitter to go away. I want to be able to just you know, find the glitter and smile when I see the glitter, so to say.
2: Um, <laughs> makes- like, I'm like loving that. That's the first time I hear that description. And I'm so like writing it down. I love <laughs> that because the waves, I I feel the same. I feel it's like a, like a roller coaster, you, <laughs> know, you know, all these kind of different analogies, but I had never heard the glitter. And I'm just like thinking of it like, it's so true. And when you have girls, you know that there's glitter a lot of places, right? Like, because I have a daughter as well. And I just remember like, oh, I'm so annoyed. Or getting a card in the, you know, like I got (laughs) this card that had glitter and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then then I'm still finding little pieces of it. Oh, this, it's like perfect analogy. Thank you for, for sharing that. And thank you for navigating the non-scripted non-scripted uh (laughs) interview here Liz for your type a personality
0: (laughs) I keep telling Dave that I I I was like I always tell him I swear I was not type a before I met you this is all part of like me trying to control the situation and he keeps saying no I'm pretty sure you were like this before and you just didn't realize it.
2: it yeah yeah you probably had not noticed it maybe you notice it now more because of the aspect of like control like certain things we either you know big things happen in your life that you had no control over. So maybe now you may notice more the things that you are trying to control.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely a part of it. And I think that, you know, when, when Bri was here, he was definitely a workhorse, the go-getter, you know, it was very work focused. And so I did a lot that I didn't even realize I was doing and that I was in charge of. And now that he's gone, it's even more apparent of, you know, everything that I do and have to do and have to handle. And it's just, it's all coming out now that I'm a total type A control freak.
2: <laughs> well, I, I love that Dave just said, no, you were just just like that before. You're just mm-hmm. noticing it now. <laughs> well, it's been such an honor chatting with you both and getting to know you uh, at this level. And I feel that when you have these kind of conversations with somebody, you really get to know them. Like, uh, And I've never, again, I've only walked by you, Dave. I've, I don't think I ever even said hi, because I didn't know who you were when I ran into you at the Journey of Hope. But um, I'm so grateful to have gotten to know you both and all the wisdom that you both shared, not only to the audience, but you just even for myself. So thank you once again. And thank you for the
1: opportunity.
0: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having us. We're, you know, we're, at least I am. I love sharing our story. um, And I'm, you know, happy to help other people.
1: Yeah, what, what, to that I'd say, uh, you know, I have a long drive into work, and so podcasts, especially on grief, have uh, helped me tremendously. Um, just kind of be by myself and um, figure things out. And I understand how important these podcasts can be for other people who are experiencing something, yet they might not have the words to, uh, you know, to, to say to somebody else or or express it or or even feel comfortable doing it around other people, this uh, definitely serves a purpose. So thank yeah, you it's for one other, for
2: tool. To... Go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry. Go ahead. One other no, tool. Just... One other tool for people in their grief journey. Yeah. hmm Definitely. No, and thank you. Because again, it's all these different varieties and diversity of stories that somebody else would then listen to and find that relatability... Um, and learn from that too in their own in their own life so i really 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 appreciate the time you both took and i know dave you just had come back from a long you know shift from work and you haven't how do you how did you get to sleep before uh, you hopped yeah. on the call so, so, yeah, <laughs> he's already
0: worked out he's a he's a go-getter
2: <laughs> <laughs> well awesome well thank you again thank
0: you thank you, you.